So the reading today is from Matthew chapter 5 and verses 33 to 37. And that's on page 969 of the Church Bibles. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill, but fulfill to the Lord the oaths you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Thanks, Johnny. Well, welcome everyone. So good to see everyone here this hot summer afternoon. I won't hold you hostage. So let me pray and we'll get straight into the word of God. Father, we thank you so much for your word, your word that is living and active and it's sharper than a double-edged sword. We thank you that God, it pierces us, but it heals us. We thank you, Lord God, that your word is the food and the sustenance that we need to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is our heart's desire, is to be more like Jesus. So go before us now, open up our eyes and our ears to hear what you have to say to us on today. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, we've been looking at Jesus' teachings on, on sex, on murder, uh, and divorce. Uh, and this week, we're going to be looking at what Jesus has to say about lying. Lying. God wants us to be people of the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. You see, truth matters. And to underscore how important this is, just think about it. How many of you have ever been lied to? Truth matters. Yes, I got one witness there, Dele. How many of you have ever been lied about? How many of you have ever been promised something that you didn't quite believe but was surprised and delighted when it actually came to fruition? So from either negative or positive experiences, what we know is that truth matters. The things that we say, the commitments that we make, they all matter. And as Jesus has been talking about issues pertaining to sex and anger and divorce, one of the common threads that we see running through each of these teachings is that they are all about relationships. It's about our relationships, not just with God, but our relationships to one another. Relationships are at the core of all of these issues that Jesus is addressing in Matthew chapter 5. And so Jesus is going to tell us in our text today that in our relationship with others, it is important for us to be truthful. And as we represent him and his kingdom in a secular world, people should be able to trust us 
They should be able to trust Christians. They should be able to trust our words because of who we represent. You know, one of my favorite Christmas films of all time is the movie Elf. And if you know anything about the movie Elf, you probably know where I'm going with this. It's classic, right? Well, in the movie, there's the protagonist whose name is Buddy. Buddy is played by Will Ferrell. And Will Ferrell is disturbed when he discovers that a mall Santa is not the real Santa. Because Buddy comes from the North Pole. And Buddy knows Santa. So he sees this guy in the mall and he's like, Santa? So he goes closer to him and then he realizes that this guy is not who he says he is. And then he delivers one of the funniest lines, most memorable and funniest lines in this movie. He says, you're not Santa. You sit on a throne of lies. That's one of my favorite lines of all time. Well, look, it's not just fake Santas at shopping malls, but apparently our culture sits on a throne of lies. Hear these stats. According to one study, 60% of people can't go 10 minutes without lying. One survey said that in, that, that an average person in Britain tells more than 10 lies a week. And the Telegraph ran an article a while back saying that lying has become an acceptable part of British life and culture. I mean, lying has always been around, but there used to be a time in Western culture where truth mattered, right? But that just doesn't seem to be the case anymore. And look, people lie for various reasons. Some people lie to avoid punishment. Some people lie to gain an advantage or to get ahead in life, to make themselves look good or to protect someone's feelings. But the biggest reason I found that people lie is to not offend others, to not reveal what they're actually thinking and feeling about what was either said or about what or about or about someone. So people lie to be polite. So Jesus in our text today, he's encouraging his followers to be people of truth, to let their yes be yes and their no be no, and to avoid making false oaths or or empty promises. As Christians, we should be known for our authenticity and commitment to the truth, where swearing and making oaths is just not a part of our everyday speech. It's not. So here are three things I want us to see in our text today. One is the traditional teachings on oaths, then Christ's radical teachings on oaths, and then finally, our call to radical truthfulness. So let's look at verse 33. It says, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not Break your oaths. Again, Jesus is talking about their traditional interpretation of the law. He said, you've you've heard long ago, do not break your oaths, but fulfill to the Lord the oaths you have made. 
So what Jesus is addressing here is the religious leaders' permissiveness in taking oaths. And the oaths they were referring to are when people would invoke the name of God or they would use the name of God to make a promise or to take a vow. Now, in the Old Testament, when you took a vow or when you made an oath, it was often encouraged to use the name of God. But once that vow or oath was made in the name of God, in the name of Yahweh, then you had to fulfill your vows. You had to complete um, 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 your, 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 your oath or else there would be consequences. You couldn't rescind your oath without there being serious consequences. So let me read a few verses for you. So there's Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Where it says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And then there's Leviticus 19.12 which says, do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God for I am the Lord. And then you have Numbers chapter 30 verse 2 that says, when a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath, to bind himself to a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything that he said. Our Kent Hughes in his commentary says of these verses, he says that vows were assumed and even encouraged, but once made, they were not to be broken under any circumstances. The Bible taught they were binding and they were very serious business. But the Pharisees, what they ended up doing was creating a system around this. So basically they determined that a person didn't have to keep their vows or their oaths if they didn't use the name of the Lord. So according to Leviticus 19.12, if they didn't swear falsely by the, names, by the Lord's name, then the oath would not be considered as binding. So if they didn't fulfill their vows, then who cared? Because at least I didn't bring God into the equation. So what they were essentially doing was creating a culture where lying was encouraged. Where people could, for whatever reason, make a vow and plan in their hearts not to keep it. Why would they do this? Well, maybe it was to win business. Maybe it was to win people's trust. Or maybe it was to get out of a situation. I mean, we can kind of deduce that based off of the reasons we know people lie today in our culture. But whatever the situation was, this had become a common practice. So instead of invoking the name of God in their vows, they began a practice of making oaths by heaven or by earth or by the temple. And Jesus addresses this in Matthew chapter 23, verses 16 to 22, when he says to the scribes, and he says, woe to you blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple, yeah, they're bound to that oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? 
You say if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by that oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by the heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. So here you have the Pharisees making up their own rules about vows and taking oaths by excluding God out of the equation. But Jesus comes and he kind of flips the script on them. And he says, look, you're not excluding God from the equation. The whole earth is the Lord's. Everything was created by him. The entire creation is God's. So you cannot refer to any part of it without ultimately referring to him. You swear by the temple. Well, that's the place where God dwells. You swear by the earth. Well, God owns that too. You swear by your own head. You can't, but you can't make one hair of your head white or black. Maybe you could color your hair, but you cannot control or determine what color that strand will be coming up from the roots. You don't have control over anything. God owns it all. He's in control of it all. So you cannot make a vow or promise and think that you are excluding God from the picture. John Stott says this on this passage, that what the religious leaders failed to see is that a vow was binding irrespective of the formulas that they came up with. And that brings me to my next point. What does Christ have to say about oaths. Listen to what he says in verses 34 to 35. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Listen to what he says. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. That's Jesus' teaching. In the original Greek it says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Simple. That's it. This reminds me of what Jesus or James says in his epistle. He essentially was repeating the same words of Jesus in chapter 5, verse 12, when he says, Above all, brothers and sisters, do not swear by the heaven or by the earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. You could be brought into judgment. So what Jesus is simply saying here 
is that we need to let our word be our bond. People should be able to trust what we have to say. You shouldn't have to swear or make a vow in order for people to believe you. People should be able to trust that you're an authentic person who works and who speaks with integrity. You know, another reason why Jesus tells us not to swear an oath is right here in verse 37. He said, because it brings us into an encounter with the evil one. Now, what does Jesus mean by this? And I'm sure to his original audience, this must have been a really shocking statement to make here. But Jesus couldn't be more clear in his speech when he says this. And I think what Jesus is saying is that swearing an oath can open up a door to evil and that it could leave room for deceit and manipulation. Oaths could implicitly make room for lies. Think about it. By swearing an oath, what we are saying is that lies exist and that they do have a place in our speech. You know, sometimes I laugh when I think about the rules that we had growing up on determining who was being truthful or not. So if one of my friends told a story that was so wonderful, so outrageous to be true, they would often say, bro, I swear. And if you still didn't believe it, then they would go a step further and say, bro, I swear on my baby's mama. Now I know you lying because you don't like your baby's mama. <laughs> or they would say, I swear to God, bro, this thing happened. Listen, what Jesus is saying here is that when people do things like this, what they're implying is that they're usually not a truthful person. But in this instance, they're not lying. But in other instances, they might just lie without you knowing about it. The oath then becomes almost a protection for lying at other times. Because if you can convince people that you're telling the truth by swearing, then you can see how people could weaponize that to cover up falsehood. I swear to God. Oh yeah, he must be telling the truth then. And Jesus is saying, this is evil. This is evil. He goes back again to these verses about the Pharisees who use an apparent oath to cover up their evil in order to keep out of getting, in order to get out of keeping their word. They use what looked like a truth or an oath to be able to tell lies to people. Swearing an oath allows us to do the same. If not in that specific instance, then at least in another instance. And then finally, Jesus calls us to radical truthfulness. So the question, and maybe you're asking yourself now, is does this passage teach that Christians are never to take an oath? I mean, historically, some Christians have taken this teaching of Jesus literally. 
George Fox, the founder of the Quaker movement, took this teaching literally and taught that Christians should never under any circumstance make a pledge or vow because this is what Jesus is saying. Numerous commentators, as I was studying this, have suggested that when reading this passage that we learn to distinguish between taking an oath and making an oath. See, taking an oath like in a court of law or to become a citizen of another country, I mean, it's regrettable that we have to do this, but it's allowed. It's okay. Jesus spoke under oath. Remember Matthew chapter 26, verses 62 to 64, when Jesus was being questioned about his, his, his charges against blasphemy? Notice the entire time Jesus said nothing. But when Pilate charged him, By an oath under the living God, tell us if you are the son of God. What did Jesus do? He responded. He said, you have said so. Jesus was taking an oath. But making an oath, on the other hand, is what we've been talking about here. Making an oath is this decision that we make on our own initiative. It is rationally bringing God into a situation by saying things like, I swear to God, you can trust me. I swear. And it can open up the door to evil in our conversations by implicitly giving protection to lies in other areas of our lives. It's a form of deceit. When we make oaths as part of our regular speech, what Jesus is saying is that it's wrong. And it is sinful. Christ calls us to a life of radical truthfulness. Radical in the sense that it is completely countercultural to the deceptive ways of communicating that we often find in our world today. Almost everybody is swearing by something. You may have friends who, that's all they do is swear. Man, bro, I swear. Like, ah. It's everywhere. But people do that in order for you to believe them. And it just goes to show how far we've regressed as a culture in our premium or in placing our premium on truth. We live in a world that is awash in the sea of deception. Or as one commentator says, we're swimming in rivers of hyperbole an exaggeration that is constantly flowing through advertisement and our political speech. And it's hard not to be affected by it. It affects each and every last one of us. Listen to what George Fox, the Scottish pastor and theologian said. He said it this way. He says, I always try to tell the truth. I do. I try to be truthful. All the same, I tell a great many lies. Things that mean one thing to myself. In my head, it's one thing, but when I'm communicating to other people, it's not correct. And then he goes on to say that my respect for the world's opinion is my greatest stumbling block, I fear. It's not easy to be totally truthful, a totally truthful person in today's culture. But get this. He says it is necessary for the church. 
and for the world. You know, I don't know about you, but I can relate to George here. It's hard to be truthful in a culture where lying is just normative. We have our own flesh fighting against us, right? Whatever those things are in our heart, whether it's insecurities or wanting to boast and make ourselves appear to be something more than what we are or whether we're just trying to be polite. That's the flesh fighting against us. But then we have this world fighting against us. Everyone else lies. Why not lie? Everyone else lies to get ahead, so why not lie to get ahead? You see, a radical truthfulness is what the world needs to see from the church. How do we do this? I mean, talk about these teachings that Jesus is giving us and how impossible it is. How do we be people of the truth? We must first recognize that words mattered to Jesus. They did. And they mattered because words were an outward sign of what was going on in our hearts. Remember what Jesus says? He's, he's, or remember what, what, what Jesus is doing in this, in this whole sermon on the mountain? He's not addressing surface level morality. He's not addressing the things that people see. What Jesus is trying to get at the root of in the sermon on the mount, it's what's going on in our heart. The things that make us lie, the thing that make us be Deceitful. Jesus says in Matthew 12, 34, that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you're going to speak what's in your heart. I'm going to speak what's in my heart. So what we need to do then is to allow for the spirit of truth to come in and to arrest our hearts, and we need to give him space to work out of our lives the necessity for lying, for taking oaths, for swearing, whether it's because of our insecurities, whether it's because of our fear of man, whether it's our desire to look good or even our desire to be polite, we need to let Christ through his Holy Spirit work these things out of us. Give him control over that area of your life. If you know that lying is your struggle, if you know that it's hard for you to be truthful, then don't resist the Spirit of God in this area of your life. Give him control. And pray that God, through his word and through his Spirit, will give you a deep conviction when it comes to lying. Because the problem is, we can harden our hearts. Lying can become such a repetitive business of ours that we are not even aware of it anymore. Our conscience has been seared by it. We need to let the Spirit of God work in our hearts and in our conscience 
to make us more sensitive to things that we say that are deceptive. And when we do lie, especially to a brother or a sister, you know one way to defeat the enemy is by confessing it. Now that's the hard bit. It's saying, oh man, brother, you know what? I wasn't being totally truthful with you or to our spouses. You know what? I wasn't being totally totally truthful with you about this. And what it does is that it frees us. It frees us. And we don't give place to the enemy. Jesus mints no words with his friends. And neither does he with us. The righteous men and women who find their justification and who find their their life in Christ. They don't need to swear that they are telling the truth. And they should refrain from taking vows and oaths in their everyday speech. Jesus simply tells us to let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So look, if our culture is sitting on the throne of lies, we need to get up off that throne. We need to live counterculturally. We need to defy culture in this area. And we need to be people who speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Let's pray. Father, your word says that you desire truth in the inward parts. And Lord, it starts by us first being truthful and honest with you about what's going on in our hearts. So, Father God, I just want to pray that, Lord, you would expose the lies that we tell ourselves. Just unveil them. And then set us free from them, God. Let us be people of your word, people of truth, people that other people can trust because they know we speak and we work with integrity. And you will help us. And we praise you for that, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.